tonight from Hollywood, Los Angeles. That's where I'm uh, posted up. Jackson Fuller here on the latest Road to Rome podcast and all the way across the United States and then across the Atlantic Ocean in London. Mr. Connor Keenan, my co-host. Connor, how are you doing this evening? Have you recuperated from the, the Manchester United FA Cup just yet? I was hoping you weren't going to bring that up. <laughs> being honest uh jackson but yeah i'm good mate uh still sort of disappointed after rory's finish last night almost went a one two for irish golfers yesterday on the european and pga tour but uh i guess uh a tom mckibben win on the european tour i'll just have to sell for which i'm which i'm okay with yeah well that's that was the the hollywood theme i was bringing to the table with tom mckibben winning on the dp world tour and, and we'll talk tom and I know he's from your hometown and, you know, I'll give you the floor there, but we'll, we'll get to that a little bit later on the road. Uh, it was a really an incredible weekend of golf um, sneakily, you know, and I think coming into this weekend, we didn't have like the highest expectations and Memorial, all the stars play, but I don't know. I don't really love the course and it just, it feels like kind of like the Arnold Palmer where it's just a lot of rough and it's hard just to be hard, but Man, what a leaderboard we had heading into Sunday. And Victor Hovland wins the memorial at Jack Nicholson's Jack Nicholas's place in Dublin, Ohio. Uh, Victor's fourth PGA Tour victory and by far his biggest win. Connor, it, it definitely felt like uh, we were kind of building up to this moment. And I think it's really good for Victor to see the, you know, how incredibly well he's been playing recently. Uh, finally get a victory to kind of show all the hard work paying off yeah awesome it's been trending this way i think a lot of people haven't bought as much stock maybe as they should have because of the short game struggles um which is which is understandable but it seems like over the off season victor's really really worked hard on correcting that it's still the weak point of his game but every other part of his game is is on fire at this moment in time um players to win on the PGA Tour in each of the last four seasons. Rory McElroy, John Ram, Victor Hovland. I mean it's wow. a pretty good pretty good company to be in. Um and it, this shouldn't really be a surprise. He's he's a, he's been up there in both majors so far this year. Um put Brooks Kapka right to the right to the sword all the way up uh to the final couple of holes there in the US Open and that was awesome to watch and it's really good to see that he's now capitalizing on this form. He's not just letting it sort of fizzle out. Um, he's keeping it going. He's used that setback. Well, not setback. That's the, that's the wrong term. Disappointment of the final day at the, the U.S. Open as, as extra motivation, maybe a chip in his shoulder or such. And uh, he's got the win here at the Memorial, which is, to this day, it, it, they were saying on the, on the broadcast last night, it's the biggest win of his career. It probably is. I remember when he won the WGC a couple of years ago, and I, I thought that that was a big deal. But now that they don't exist anymore, maybe um, <laughs> <laughs> the memorial can be ranked a, a little higher than his WGC win a couple of years ago. Yeah. Um, you know, and he was also um, he was also he was right there at the Masters for a while. Um, <clears throat> and I think you know you mentioned his com- he being close there, but. That's just another place that he had some disappointment, some scar tissue, but that maybe builds up, but no sign of that today. He, um, in his post-round interview, he kind of mentioned that he, there were some pins that 
maybe a past Victor Hovland would have fired at. And today he kind of just took his medicine and went for the middle of the green and two putt for par. Um, you know, over the last two years, Victor has finished T9 and T3 at the two players championships, T4 at the open at St. Andrews, T7 at the masters and T2 at Oak Hill for the PGA. Um, you know, that's a sign of a guy, a young guy making the leap. He's becoming one of the best golfers in the entire world. And it just feels like a matter of time before his, uh, his big breakthrough. Um, as far as today goes, he made a very clutch birdie on 17. It was the only birdie of the entire day on that hole. Um, he walked when he was on 17 T uh, Danny McCarthy was up by two. Um, so that cut the deficit to one. And then McCarthy made a really tough bogey on 18 that forced the playoff. And then Victor made par and McCarthy bogeyed 18 again. So uh, Victor wins. Uh, I just got to say, you know, I know I'm the, the American that's supposed to cheer on team USA and this Ryder cup themed podcast. I love Victor Hovland, man. Uh, he, he roasted Jack Nicholas twice. I think he said, <laughs> he said, sorry, man, um, people from my home country don't really know who you are. And then he said that Oklahoma state was the real OSU over Jack Nicholas's Ohio state. Um, he always looks stoned. He's always got a smile on his face. I think uh, it, Victor Hovland being a superstar is chef's kiss really really good for the game of golf 100 percent. the only drawback is the the outfits from <laughs> uh is, is Lindbergh, isn't it the the yeah. sponsors of of victor he came out during the u.s open and said he doesn't care what they they put him in he just wears it uh thankfully we got a pretty neutral outfit this sunday with the white pants and the and the navy top looked pretty classy but um I, I just get the fear a little bit sometimes when I watch Hovland or I'm about to watch Hovland and God knows what he's going to be wearing, you know, just stick him in something neutral like McElroy, <laughs> you know? Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm all here for, for, uh, for Victor. I think it's really good to have golfers from more unique European nations starting to, to do well. You think of, uh, you think of Hovland, Norwegian, Moronk, Polish. Um, obviously, we've got Ludwig tearing it up at the at the NCAA's and the and and the amateur ranks. He's Swedish. Um, it's really good for the future of European golf, especially to have a Ryder Cup team that's going to have a load of different nationalities on it, rather than just having ten of the twelve guys from Great Britain and Ireland like we've mm -hmm. seen in the past. So, um, yeah, awesome. Last thing I'll say about Hovland before we kind of move our way down the rest of the leaderboard. Uh, he, I'm really excited to see him at LACC for the U.S. Open. There's, I think, one of the big correlations, at least between, um, between Oak Hill and the Memorial Tournament here this weekend was a lot of thick grass uh, around the green, which kind of makes it hard for everyone to chip. So maybe if you're a bad chipper, it neutralizes how much it really matters. Um, LACC is going to be a lot of short grass chipping. If he can survive out there and post another top 10, top 20 at a major, I think that'll be a, a huge, huge uh, sign of big, big things to come from, from Mr. Hoplin. I think, at, you know, he got away with it for, a couple rounds at Augusta um, and then the chipping kind of hurt him on the final Sunday. Uh, and then at St. Andrews, you can just putt everything, you know? So um, I'm excited to see 
happy fares at LACC, but it's, I mean, this weekend he was, uh, for the entire event, he gained 0.21 strokes average per round around the green, which if he's going to hit it as well as he does, that's usually good enough to, uh, to be up there in the, in the contention. Um, where do you want to go looking at the leaderboard? Uh, I think, you know, shout out Denny McCarthy, but he's, you know, it would have been cool for him to get his first win, but a runner up is, uh, I don't know. It, it's not the most thrilling storyline. The rest of the leaderboard. Should we, should we talk about Rory? He entered the day tied for the lead and, you know, didn't really have his best stuff, but I, I'm actually not going to take too much from this Rory performance. What about you? Yeah, it's just sort of following up what we saw at the U.S. Open. He said that he felt close, but also a million miles away, and that was it today. Um, some of the bogeys he made today were just so avoidable. He was just – he would have wedge in his hand. I think he made four bogeys from the middle of the fairway with wedge in his hand. Maybe not the middle of the fairway, but the first cut and, and stuff like that. Um, I think it was 13. He was in the um, He was in the first cut and just went straight at the flag. And um, hit a hit a pretty good shot, and then obviously it rolls through the back of the green because of how firm and fast the greens are. Um, it's yeah, it just it, it it feels like he just doesn't have it yet. I don't know whether that's mental or whether it's just his game in general. To me, my gut feeling thinks it's more mental, um, like a generational talent of a golfer hasn't won a major in 40 attempts <laughs> and yeah. like that's that 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 like that's got to be something in your head rather than something with with your hands you know um obviously it's it's good to see him up here and contending but um just a bit of a stinker sunday i wouldn't read into it too much but i think the problems that have been there are still there um i thought it was interesting that um i don't know if you saw this but uh, obviously, Jack Nicklaus greets them all at, at the at the edge of the 18th green after the round, and and Jack said to Roy that he needs to speak to him. So um, potential advice there coming from from <laughs> one of the greats, if not the greatest, uh, couldn't do any harm for for Roy um, because I know LACC isn't a perfect fit for Roy, but I mean I don't see any reason why he can't win there, and and then we go to we go to Hoylick for the for the Open, which he literally won the Open there last time. So two really awesome opportunities for Rory coming up. And if he doesn't get, I don't, yeah, as I said, I don't know if it's the mental side or the or the physical side. It's probably a bit of both. But um, he needs to get one of two, if not both, in in the right place for these upcoming two majors because they're two really good opportunities. Yeah, I actually think uh, LACC. Um it's not the perfect fit for him, but it is a course that's going to reward guys who hit long irons close to the hole. And that's Rory McIlroy to the T. Um, my only follow-up comment on that is there's one guy that's hitting long irons close, closer to the hole than Rory <laughs> McIlroy. And that's Scotty Scheffler. I mean, if Rory can't hit a wedge, but Scotty can't make a putt, uh, he was last in the field strokes game putting among everybody that made the cut this weekend. Uh, I have no idea how he did not win the tournament and also how he like came so close. He shot five under today on Sunday and uh, was one shot out of the playoff. Uh, 
God, it's it just it feels crazy to me that we leave the Masters in April and it's only been two months since then. And I really do like I think if you're if you've made me pick between Scheffler and Rom, who is more likely to win um, one of the last two majors, LACC or Hoylake, I'd probably pick Rom. But if you needed me to pick like who's the most likely to top 10, to top 20, to top five, like all those answers are Scotty. Like he is just yeah. inevitable at this point. The the statistics this week are <laughs> insane. Yeah. Uh, total. So the, the, the total strokes gained T to green this, this week for, for the Memorial Scotty was first with plus 19.94. That was 9.8 strokes ahead of second <laughs> place, John Ram. And then strokes strokes gained on the putting green, minus 8.43. So he's losing almost eight and a half shots on the green. Uh, last place in the field, just crazy. Um, he's, he's hitting the ball better than anyone on tour. And possibly putting it worse than anyone on tour. <laughs> and it's, it's robbing him of what could be like... These past few weeks, if he was an average putter, he would have won that U.S. Open. Yeah. And or sorry, U.S. PGA, and he he would have won here. He he would have a couple of couple more wins under his belt. Um. Yeah, just I I don't know what to make of it really. What like what has to change? Is the putter change? Uh, grip change? Does he go to the? Uh, oh, I've forgotten the name of it. The stupid green reading technique. Uh, um, aim point. Aim yeah. point. He's uh, something's got to change, right? You would think so. Um, but I don't know, man. I think he really likes that putter. Like I've never seen him change at all. I, I actually kind of wanted to ask you, like, uh, when as a, of course, we don't have the access to the unlimited amount of equipment that these guys have, but mm-hmm. uh. Like if you were in this cold drought that Scotty is in, like what would you would you change the style of putter, or would you change your like putting grip first? Because uh, I I mean you're right. It feels like, dude, it's it's time to make some sort of adjustment because this is literally the only thing holding you back from being a five time winner on tour this year. So uh, what would what would be kind of your first go to change out of those two, or is there something else? Um. I don't know. Maybe you're asking the wrong guy here, but there's no one really else here to, <laughs> to ask. Um, I'm like a, I'm a, I'm a loyal guy to to a putter. I had the same putter there for six, seven years, and if I was putting badly, it was always okay. I just need to putt better. It was never mm-hmm. really a, an equipment thing for me. Um, so I would potentially tend to change grip, but also he's mid season. And he's probably playing next week, if not the week after, and then he's got a major in two weeks. So um, I would just pop better, man. Just <laughs> like like it's it's as simple as that. I would just spend so much time on the putting green and just try and figure these things out because like it's bad. Like they're not even close. Like he had a putt there in eighteen for birdie, and that actually in hindsight would have got him into the end of the playoff. And it's just it's truly nowhere near the hole. Like they don't even like, and 
It's a shadow of himself because I remember last year, especially at the US Open last year, the Matt Fitz one. Just every time Scotty stood over a putt, it looked like he was going to hold it. Yeah. And now it's just like the putting's fallen off a planet completely. So I think he's got to look at the grip. Um, but I mean, is there is there really a right answer? Uh, my favorite, my favorite tweet from the weekend was someone saying that Titleist have to remove the Scotty from Scotty Cameron <laughs> and just rename it, <laughs> just rename it Cameron because that's how bad he's putting it. Yeah. Uh, I mean, hole 10 is the one I guess I think he's going to remember when he looks back on this weekend. Uh, you know, he had 125 yards to the green and he hit it to three feet, had a three foot birdie putt that he missed. Um, and he, you know, he hit it two feet past. So, uh, you make that three footer and you are in a playoff with Hovland and McCarthy and who knows what happens when guys see it, you know. Hovland's talked about him being able to kind of hit to the middle of the greens when, well, if that number that he had to get to a seven under instead of six, maybe he's a little bit more aggressive uh, throughout his round. But do you, yeah, do you mind I, if I ask you a sort of Ryder Cup themed question? Mm-hmm, for sure. Yeah, so we, we sort of look at the guys, right? I think we agree it's a lot more entertaining on the European side in terms of who's going to be in the team. And we already really know who's going to be in the U.S. team for the for the most part. Sounds a concern at all from the form of, of the U.S. team. We look at Scotty struggling with the putter. JT is a shadow of himself this year. Spieth's been battling injury. Whereas Ram's playing great golf. Rory's almost there. Victor's playing great golf. Like, uh, are, are we trending here to, to a Ryder Cup that could be closer than maybe we thought four or six weeks ago? Um. Not concerned just yet. I think out of the guys that you mentioned, JT is definitely a concern. Um, but at the same time, like, there, like he could be the tenth best player, you know, on on Team yeah. USA. Um, he's always going to be a leader in the locker room and one of the guys that kind of sets the tone. And him and Spieth in that partnership, you know, like they get off to a bad start in Rome this year, that might be a a bad thing for the confidence of the team. But I just think that they're so deep. I think, you know, guys like, like Scheffler is, he can't make a putt, but he still hasn't finished outside the top 12 for like seven months or something ridiculous (laughs) like that. Um, I think like, I mean, I, we, I keep talking about this guy. Like I honestly, like unless something wild happens down the stretch, like, I'm pretty sure Ricky Fowler is going to be on the Ryder cup team and him. And like, we always say that there's 10 guys um, and like, there's two spots. Like I think him and Brooks Kepka are those two spots. And Brooks is another guy that we have to throw into the, in the equation. Um, so no, I'm not concerned, but I am, I am watching with a careful eye on uh, guys like Justin Thomas and Morikawa withdrew today. Um he was only two shots off the lead entering it. That seemed a little bit more precautionary with the big tournaments coming up with the U S open and the open championship. But um, I just think that team USA is so deep and they've got really, I think something that you can say about team USA that you haven't been able to say in a long time is they have some teams that we automatically know are going to get thrown out there. That's Spieth and JT. They play great together and can't land They play great together. Like, 
you know, I, it's, it's not throw away the form coming in, but with those two teams, there's a lot of winning experience there. So, um, but I do think team Europe's got to feel a lot better about their chances right now than they would have when we started this podcast in January, just based off the form of their top guys. And uh, you know, some guys like Justin Rose, Moronk, um, kind of grabbing the bull by the horns lately and uh, making, stating their case. Uh, I mentioned Morikawa uh, with the withdrawal. I wanted to make sure that I mentioned his name because I do think he's a guy as we head into the last two majors that I kind of like. Um, talk about hitting long irons. I hope he's healthy. Uh, Do you know Morikawa hasn't won since his Open victory at St. George's? I couldn't yeah. believe that when I heard that in the broadcast yesterday. It's crazy. And he's playing great. He's playing, he's playing well. Like, it's yeah. not his, – his highs, like, aren't, like, consistent, like Rory and Scotty, but he's, like, very steady. He's just – you know, he's – uh he doesn't hit the ball a country mile long. So uh, like when he's not hitting his driver in the fairway, he's automatically at a huge disadvantage, but um, I'm excited to see him at his hometown at LACC. And then he's, he's um, like a mini version of Scheffler almost in the sense that <laughs> yeah, um, he, he hits fairways, he hits greens, and then the putter just sort of lets him down. Um, obviously he's not going to be hitting it as well as Scheffler, but he's also not putting it as badly as, as Scheffler, as I said. Yeah. He's like a, he's like Scheffler's Donkey Kong and Morikawa's <laughs> Diddy Kong, you know? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Wario and Mario, uh, <laughs> they're, they're one and the same. Uh, but hey, I think, the, like you said, and like I said, like this is a, God, I mean, looking at this leaderboard, like Fitzpatrick and Hatton, 9 and 12, Shane Lowry, T16, along with Rahm and Straka, like, there are some European guys, even Steven Yeager, who are kind of uh, playing some good golf right now. And uh, I'm a lot of positive momentum on that side of things. Um, I think I we just, do have I to just wanna, Before we move on, I just want to give a shout out to, to Danny McCarthy. Obviously, still looking for that first PGA yeah. Tour victory. Guy looks like Lee Harvey Oswald. Um, <laughs> Uh, I forgot the fact that he played his college golf at uh, the University of Virginia, which is tough mm-hmm. for me as a Virginia Tech fan. Um, and look, it may be a stretch. You mentioned Fowler as the sort of last man on the team. But if Europe sets up the golf course in Rome, anything like they did in Paris in the sense that they prioritize accuracy over distance, and short game and putting is paramount. If McCarthy can go on a bit of a heater for the rest of the season and keep this momentum going, and like we saw how well he putted it this week, I don't think it's completely out of the question that he's not in the discussion for that final spot in this in this US team. Like in hindsight, when we look at Scheffler in twenty twenty one. Yeah. Like that selection felt really obvious that he was the last man on the team, but he was just trending at the right time. Yeah. Um, but like that also felt like a horse for a course. He felt like a really good fit for Whistling Straits. Mm-hmm. Um, and like if it's, it could be one guy, it could be two guys, sort of like wild car guys and put that in air quotes. Like, did you think Fowler had a shot at this team six months ago? No. Absolutely not. 
So I would sort of put McCarthy in that same bracket as Fowler. Obviously, he's got to win um, and got to keep this form going. But like, if he pots like he did this week for the rest of the season, I, I, I think he's certainly in the discussion in, in the team room when uh, when the USA is getting uh, the USA team is getting picked. Uh, yeah, and on on data golf, they have obviously we mention them all the time. They've got a great Ryder Cup tool. Um, They've got a forecast percentage for everyone, and uh, you know McCarthy's seventeenth right now on that list, which uh, is really not as not. It sounds kind of low, but twelve guys make the roster. You only have to jump over five guys. Um, Fowler on this list is, and of course, this is a lot of like how they've been playing recently and stats based, not no vibes based on this. Fowler's ahead <laughs> of a. Uh, Fowler's ahead of Morikawa, Burns, and Homa on likely percentage of making the team. So I think I think the one guy that I'm going to kind of keep my eye on the rest of the season um, is Wyndham Clark. Uh, another good showing this week at the Memorial. He, what did he finish? Uh, T, oh God, T12. So uh, a little, oh God, 76 today. But he was, you know, he was on the top page of the leaderboard for a while. He struggled on Sunday. Um, he's a guy that I don't know if he makes sense for Marco Simone um, with a potential Team Europe uh, setup with narrow narrow fairways and thick rough because um, he's a he's a bomber who can spray it out a little bit. But I do think Wyndham's a guy like when this Ryder Cup comes back to American soil that he, I could see him on the team. And you never know if he rattles off another win and some more great performances. Um, He's going to be in contention. Uh, he finished today with bogey par, double par, birdie, bogey, double. So uh, 41 back nine. Colorful um, uh, scorecard that. Yeah, definitely. Um, that's all I got on the memorial. Um, anything from you, Connor? Uh, do you want to, you know, shout out to uh, Luke Donald, you know? He made the cut and he finished. What did he finish? T38, three over par. Is there any chance of a player captain for Mr. Donald this year? Um, I don't think so, but I am all <laughs> here for the Luke Donald revival. 2015, yeah. number one player in the world, just striking the shit out of the golf ball. And uh, we've seen sort of stranger comebacks. Like, I sort of wrote Ricky Fowler off for a long time because just how long he was out. <laughs> and it seems somehow that Luke Donald's making a bit of a bit of a comeback. So yeah, I'm all I'm all here for it, and I'd love to see him uh, continue the good form. And I think he's the sort of guy. Obviously, we don't cover it, but when the senior tours sort of roll around, I think Luke could could make a lot of money up there. Yeah, I agree. And that the Mizuno visor that he rocked in his prime was a chef's kiss of swagger. So. Uh, let's go to the LPGA tour. Rose Zhang in her Rose Zhang or Zhang. Gonna have to learn that one because she is going to win a lot of LPGA tournaments in her first professional start. She wins the Mizuho Americans Open in New York with the Statue of Liberty in the background. She's the first LPGA player to win in her first start since 1951. Uh, a couple more crazy, one more crazy stat for you in her last 12 stroke play events. She has 10 wins, a fifth place and a top and a T12 
that's from Justin Ray on Twitter. She won on the second playoff hole against Jennifer Cupcho. And it seems like, Connor, when we started this podcast and we kind of talked about the women's game and how Nellie Corda was starting to become the face of American golf and, you know, had an opportunity to become the face of all of women's golf. Uh, man, it would be something if Rose Hank kind of snatches that from her, not saying that she's going to. This is obviously just the start of her career, and there's a lot more challenges that are around the corner. But she seems destined for greatness based off everything she's done in her amateur career, and then to follow that up with a win this weekend. Uh, sky's the limit, right? There's, there's really no kind of ceiling on what she can accomplish in her career. Yeah, we, we sort of mentioned it a few weeks ago that the throne is sort of empty when you look at the men's game. It's sort of battling between, I would probably take Rory out of the conversation now, but it's sort of between Scheffler and Ram for the, for the throne. And I think it's good for the sport that there is that sort of clear sort of hierarchy. Um, the hierarchy in the women's game isn't, the, like the picture isn't as clear yet. There's There's a lot of, a lot of depth, but no one has really, certainly this year anyway, just sort of ran away with it and planted the flag. And I mean, what a statement that is from Rose. Absolutely incredible to win on her first professional start. I think it was, um, she had like an 80% win rate at, at, in college, which yeah. is just, it's just daft. If you said that for a tennis player, you'd be like, oh, they're good at tennis. They're playing one person, you know? Yeah. This girl's playing, what, 100 and something? It's yeah. just, just crazy. Um, obviously, we knew she was good, right? She's an unbelievable college record. She won the Anwa uh, earlier this year in a playoff after trying her very, very best to bottle it on the final day. I think she came into that with a six-shot lead. Eventually got it done in the playoff. Um but I mean, talk about like the it factor for Rose. Like she has it and more. And as I said, it's crazy to be talking about someone who could become like the best in the world when she's had one start under her belt. But I mean, the the throne's there, and yeah. uh, like rack off a couple more wins before the the Solheim and potentially getting that Solheim team or cup team, which I think she probably should. Um. And truly, truly, the sky's the limit. I'm really, really excited to watch her. Yeah, I think she's got to be at least in consideration. And with a good rest of the uh, professional season, she will be probably a part of that uh, Solheim team. Um, God, it's just, it makes her just overall presence, you know, makes the LPGA like a lot more interesting the uh, rest of the year. Um, And specifically, you know, the majors, she, uh, Rose is from Arcadia, California. She went to Stanford in Northern California and, uh, the U S women's open this year is going to be in her backyard in Pebble beach. I'm sure she's played that course before as a member of the Stanford golf team. Uh, she got a shout out from tiger woods on Twitter today after her win. Um, the, the, the shot that she hit to basically win the tournament, it's, you know, it's the sun setting in New York and she hits some sort of metal, um, like a five or a seven wood uh, or a hybrid uh, onto the green on a long par four. All she needs is a two putt to win on the second playoff hole. Like she's just, she makes some really clutch 
um, there's some really clutch moments for her at a very young age. Uh, I don't know if she can play Augusta National, given her struggles there in the final <laughs> round of the uh, of the Anne Wan back-to-back years. But uh, fortunately, that's not one of the women's majors, and she's gonna. I think she's gonna be a name you have to watch at every single women's major. Uh, the next one is. June 22nd, the women's PGA at uh, Baltusrol in New Jersey. And then a couple weeks later, they head up to Pebble Beach for the, the U.S. Women's Open. So, uh, yeah, I just I think it, she her presence alone makes this super exciting. And uh, shout out Jennifer Kupcha for forcing her into a playoff um, and rallying to kind of put the pressure on her. But in the end, it was uh, it was Rose's day. Uh, last thing, Solheim Cup related, uh, good performances. It feels like I say this every week about Leona McGuire, T7, and then uh, Madeline Saxstrom, uh, T13 for Sweden. But this was uh, one of those few weeks where uh, good, good, better performances from the USA side among the women with uh, Rose Cupcho, uh, Danielle Kang all finishing inside the uh, the top 10. Yeah. Um... We're we're saying it about Leona. She's just playing such good golf, so so consistent. Um, sort of yet to get over the line with a win, but um, trending. And I think the U.S. team should be worried, uh, because obviously we we saw her in the in the Solheim Cup. She was one of the captain's picks. She was almost like a Scheffler in in twenty twenty one, sort of not last man on the team, but one of. And she goes out there and wins five matches out of five. And just truly no one saw it coming. Well, now you can see it coming because the form is there. She's absolutely going to be in this team. And she's absolutely going to be a really, really big part of this European team if, if they want to if they want to defend the, the Solheim Cup in Spain come September. All right, Connor, time for me to get out of the way. Uh, congratulations to Hollywood's own Tom McKibben. Uh, did I say that right, McKibben? You did, yeah. Awesome right. form. Um, Thank you. A guy, he was offered, like every college in the U.S. was after him. I think he accepted the scholarship at Florida when he was about 15. Mm. And then he backed out of that when he was either 17 or 18, decided to go to the Challenge Tour, got his European card, European Tour card from there. And, I mean, has sort of been trending this season. He, he had a couple of really good finishes in in the sort of the crappy stretch of the European tour around February and March when they're in Thailand and the likes um, was, was leading on final days and sort of fell short. He's missed a couple of cuts, but I think he said in his post post round interview Sunday that he's learned a lot from himself by missing cuts by one shot. And that's made him hungry and that's made him a better golfer and 20 years old getting his first win on the European tour. He's ahead of schedule. It's looking really, really good for, for young Tom McGibbon. Yeah, 20, 20 years old, man. Um, <laughs> so much golf left to be played in that young man's career. Uh, I think he now sits 23rd in the like DP World Tour points list for the year. Um, and, you know, he hasn't, hasn't had too many great performances, but he's starting to play a lot more consistently now. And... I mean, just any time you win at that young of an age, no matter what tour, it's it's uh, something worth taking notice. And uh, look, today, um, when you take a look at the uh, you know the the top ten of that leaderboard, uh, three guys shot seventy, 
and no one else went lower than that. And Tom shot 70. So he, he went out and took it today and, uh, didn't, didn't look back. I think, uh, definitely. I, I know we, I joked around with you on our WhatsApp about him being a Ryder cup name. I think it's probably too early this year, especially yeah. with, you know, the Hoy guards and Ludwig and there's other young talent, but two years from now, he definitely won't be too young. And he'll, he's a guy that, uh, I know you've been watching for a while and I think it's time for all of us uh, golf fans to keep an eye on Tom McKibben. Yeah, hundred um, percent. I'd need to double check what this win does for majors, but I presume he's in um, a couple more now, at least he's going to be at the British open. I'd imagine. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the U S open might be too, too soon in terms of the qualification for that, for that tournament. As I said, I, sh- I should have looked this up, but I was Actually, planning on going down to one of the the British Open qualifying and seeing seeing how he got on, but um, that should be his his ticket booked now for for Hoy Lake. So, twenty years old to get some major experience under his belt, and if he can make a cut there, man, that's that's so good for the confidence. He hit an absolutely ballsy shot in eighteen as well. He was sort of stuck behind a tree in the right hand side and had a big high draw. There was water short left. And he just said he was aiming for the right edge of the green. And if it turned over, it turned over. And it did turn over. And it was it was an awesome shot in which the tournament was on the line. Like, when I was 20 years old and I'm hitting a shot into the final hole of my home golf course, <laughs> when I'm too better than my handicap, I'm sort of feeling the nerves. Uh, and he's hitting a long iron into a par five with the opportunity to win his first European Tour event at 20 years old. Um, it just... It's hard to sort of wrap your head around how quickly he has had to mature and how quickly he has matured. Um, and yeah, awesome, awesome for Hollywood Golf Club, awesome for Northern Irish and Irish Golf. And um, yeah, just just buzzing for him. I don't think he gets an automatic qualification to the U.S. Open, um, but <laughs> championship and... Uh, I'm sure he's going to be playing in a lot of U.S. Opens uh, in the years to come, um, for sure. Uh, he out, you know, the tournament was in Hamburg in Germany, and he outlasted a pair of Germans who finished second: Maximilian Kiefer and Marcel Siem. It's both seven under, tied with Julien Gidier. I don't know if I pronounced that right or not, but uh, you know, not the not the best field uh, this weekend. I don't think Moronk was there. Um, he's been really competing in every single DP world tour event. Um, I don't know if the Hoy guards were there. I know, you know, the Erasmus was, I'm seeing on the leaderboard now, but um, you know, the guys had to come to the PGA and they're going back for the U S open. A lot of the guys. So uh, the, the fields on, on the DP world tour might not be the strongest over this night, but Hey, like I said, a win's a win. And uh Ups to Tom McGibbon uh, representing Northern Ireland and giving Hollywood just another uh, golfer to cheer for. Uh, I think that's that's it from my end, Connor. Anything left you you want to get, get off your chest about golf or, or anything else in the sports world this weekend? Nothing more about golf. Um, best of luck to your Miami Heat. I believe it's 1-1 after tonight's action or last night's action in, in, in my my perspective. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, one one. Uh, I still can't. I still don't quite understand what's going on, but I'm gonna ride this ride <laughs> this high until it? it's over. Yeah. Uh, 
I went and paid a, paid my respects to Mr. Todd Bowley today. Went to the Los Angeles Dodgers game. Uh, they lost, so that's very Todd Bowley esque. Uh, yep. After my experience in London last year, and uh, it, we'll be back next week for a recap of the Canadian Open. And on the on the PGA Tour side, on the LPGA Tour side, there uh, the Shoprite LPGA Classic in uh, Galloway, New Jersey. So uh, probably a quick episode next week, but we will all be back, of course, after that, previewing the U.S. Open, which is somehow two weeks away. And of course, Connor will have some boots on the ground. I'll be there in LACC covering it, and uh, we'll be bringing. We got a Connor and I need to discuss, but we'll be bringing a, I'm sure, multiple podcasts that week um, for from coverage of the U.S. Open. So another thing we got to discuss. I think you got to get me some merch. Oh yeah, on the grind, you know. know, We can uh, we can FaceTime on WhatsApp or something when I go to the the merch (laughs) tent, and uh, we'll pick something out for you. So. Uh, sick logo this year with just a simple red flag. A sick uh, golf course. Yeah, can't wait. So, thank you so much for listening. As always, Connor, thank you so much for joining me. These are going to be a, a little different with us, uh, an eight-hour time zone difference away, but uh, nonetheless, we'll be keep, keep recapping the golf and all the build-up to uh, the Ryder Cup in Rome this year. So, everyone have a great week and uh, catch you next next Monday. On the Ryder Cup.